What a privilege to be with you guys tonight. Come on, Highfelt. Happy New Year to all of you. A blessed New Year. This is going to be a good year. No, 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 come on. You guys are still stuck in the last two years. This is going to be a good year. That sounds better. The tide has turned. I, can, I don't know about you. I'm not staying in past. I'm, I'm moving on. And I want to encourage you that you start to lead some of those past fears and past words and you get COVID out of your system. You start to think about the future and you start to dream and start to expand your eyes. Tough times never last. They don't. Only tough people do. There's something about you and I stepping out in faith and we start to speak into the future. You see, there's a lot of times we can become so trapped in our humanity and our vulnerability that we kind of forget that there's a covenantal God that is really in charge and nothing on earth can stop what He set out to do from the start. During the holidays, I was working through the um, historical books. Now, the historical books are not some kind of theme, you know, Dark Vader and stuff. It is the biblical books in the Bible that speaks about all the different aspects. It, it sounds like history, but every single one of those books, Judges, and you go through them, Kings, and Esther, and Ezra, and you work through every one of those books has got a specific theological theme. But what stands out when you work through all those books in one setting, like I went through December through all those books, and you start to read through them, you'll find that there's all these kings and people say, Lord, we want a physical king. You out there, we want a physical king. God says, that's not going to be good for you. Now, but we want a king. So ultimately, God gives them a king. And every time he gives them a king and these human beings, they become the CEO, they become the whatever qualified, they become the, and then they get full of pride. And then they backslide. And then they come and then and they, reach out, they reach out to God again and say, God, help us, help us. And then God is so quick to forgive and restore and He restores them. And then the next king comes and then they fall again. There's something about human beings. When we are uplifted, we so easily lose it. But when you read through all those things, you see one golden thread from the beginning. And it actually links back to the prehistorical books. You look at Genesis there's a faithful God who made a covenant and He's going to fulfill it, no matter the vulnerability and the fallibility of mankind. No matter the circumstance you and I face, there is a God who still sits on the throne. I checked this morning, He's still there. He's sitting on the throne. Nothing's going to move Him. And I want to encourage you that you lift up your eyes as we step into this year I believe it's out of faith that you and I have. It's by faith we live. It's where you speak life into your circumstances. You speak life into your own life. You speak life into your relationships. You speak life into your business and your finances. You see, we're speaking about abiding in God. And last week you spoke about the Word became flesh, dwelled among us. I'm going to continue tonight and speak about the Word that gives life. Now, if any one of you have any little bit of any life in you, this word is applicable to you. <laughs> because the word gives life. The word of God is the thing that you need. It's not that lotto ticket. It's not that Bitcoin breakthrough. It's not the word gives life. There's things we many times look in other places and we end up disappointed because we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place and end up disappointed. I pray that tonight as I share with you, 
that something in your soul will happen. Because we're not here, listen, this is not one of those business meetings where we give people information or training. This is the place where we speak the word of God and the word gives you life and it literally can set your life on fire for the rest of your life. This place is where people are radically transformed. I can tell you testimonies of the last 26 years being in ministry. I can tell you times in Southern Boss where you preach to these young students, their first years, and they come and you preach to them. Today I meet them and run into them. They are married. They have kids. And they say, Phil, that's how God changed my life. I'm still serving Jesus today. That's what we're speaking about you today. We're speaking about a word that in a hopeless moment, something changing your soul and you get hope, which nothing else can give you. You can't find it anywhere else. You're not going to find it with Tony Google. You're not going to find it anywhere else. It is ultimately the word of God in your soul that brings life. Where do we get this? Really enjoy being with you guys and excited about specifically what God's going to do with you guys in this environment. Evening and morning service. I really believe God has got His hand upon you guys. We speak about life and a word that gives life, and the whole series is abide. So I want to just take those key words. First of all, abide. What does it mean when we say abide? You know, it's a great word. Now, in the simple terms, you can say when you abide by the Lord means you keep the rules. Simple. You abide by the rules. But it's much more to what we speak about when we say this week. When we say abide, it means to remain stable fixed, set in a certain state. Now, if you love it when your friends are up and down, up and down, up and down. See, I go, okay, I don't know what you're going to be like tonight. I, today you smile. Okay, great. Next tomorrow, oh no. I mean, who of you like it when people are up and down, up and down, up and down? See, what the Bible talks about abiding, it means it brings a consistency, a stability in your soul where you and I as human beings, life is not the same. You don't wake up every morning, everything feels the same. You don't. Some nights are tougher. Some nights you sleep well. Some nights you don't. One morning you wake up and things change. But what makes me and you stable is not how we feel. It's what we believe. The man and the woman that lives by emotions will be like a boat on the ocean. You'll get seasick because you're up and down because your emotions are never stable. So we don't live by emotions. We live by faith. No matter how I feel, no matter what happens, no matter what circumstances, there's something about abiding. Abiding also accepts, you know, to accept something without objection. God is truth accepted. See, as many times you have to convince people and because they are wrestling with the truth and they're fighting the truth and they're rejecting the truth, they find themselves never abiding. Abide makes you settle down. Abide means also you wait for. I mean, where's, those, where's the couple now? They, they left. They're waiting for, oh, no, here's saying. They're waiting for 39 weeks now. <laughs> they're abiding. <laughs> they're waiting patiently for the little man to appear. They bear patiently. That means you can fight in the, in the midst of wrestling with things. You bear that weight patiently. That's abiding. The word means, and you spoke about it last week, I'm not going to go deep into it, but it means the word became flesh. The word is not a concept. The truth is not a concept. The truth is not your opinion or my opinion. The truth is not a Google opinion. Ultimately, the truth is a person. It's not an opinion. It's not a, it's not a concept. It is a person, and that person is called Jesus Christ. 
And that Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh means that the word in person became a human being that you and I could see. Now we read about his life and we see how he lived among people and literally what the word was spoken was embodied in a person and he lived it so you and I can know how to live. That's how much God cares about you and me. He didn't keep it an abstract concept. He made it a practical lifestyle that you and I can say, we want to imitate that. You see, word is truth and truth that comes to us. That's where life is hidden, is in this word, this word that comes. Now this word, yes, it's the Bible we read. Bible, <laughs> hard copy is there. Um, you know, you, you read it and it's great and you read through the word, but it's more than that. I want you to understand is the word is a person that you walk in a relationship with. And that person that you start to fall in love with, there's something in your soul as you abide in him, there's something that reflects and start to affect your life. And then the word life means, it means it's, the, it's that eternal energy in your soul of a hope that is there that transcends all fear and all hopelessness in our souls. There's something more, there's a life. When you say something is alive and something is dead, there's a huge difference between the two. Now there's something about when you and I find our life in Christ, we find a salvation that takes us from a place of rejection and, and sinfulness and a, and a deadness in our hearts. Now that deadness in a practical terms means when you walk into relationships, you experience rejection and pain and, and deadness. When you walk into your business and finances, it's dead and painful. When you walk into everything in life, there is no hope unless you as a human being try to perform and you try to climb this ladder like the you know humanism wants to tell you. You have to climb this ladder to try to make it to the top. And when you get to the top, you realize, oh, the ladder is against the wrong building. And you have to go all the way down again to start again. And it's this rat race that you go through and you never get to the peace place of peace. That's not the life we're talking about yeah. We're talking about a life that brings you into a place of peacefulness, eternal acceptance, place where you don't have to look at society and social media and everything around you and everybody's opinion affects your your responses but there's something in your soul that doesn't matter you know how people see and what people say about you there's something they find a peace in God that puts your heart at rest that puts all the negative voices silence all the negative voices and brings you in a place where you and the father sitting there and it looks upon you and you find this absolute sentence of acceptance. That's salvation. But beyond salvation, it's the ongoing transformation of our hearts where God takes you who are born again and He keeps on saving us. He keeps on working on us. He keeps on taking what? The dead areas of our life and He makes it alive. It's not just the religion that we gather on Sundays. It is a true life transforming that we testify and experience of. But how do we get that? There's an abiding needed. Abiding is not a moment. It's a lifestyle. Abiding is not a morning time hour out. Abiding is a way that you approach God. Abiding is a way that you approach your word. Abiding is a way that you approach everything that you do. You do it from a place of waiting on trusting in, accepting without objection, 
Remain stable in what God is telling you. When Bianca shared this morning, and it's just now about, maybe give you an example. I mean, we, me and Renee, I come from a strong, big family. Um, got five brothers and four brothers and one sister. We're six. Okay, now they're all married and they all have children. So when we come together, we're a nation. Okay, we have our own soccer team and our own rugby team and playing against each other. Even with the little kids in, and, and some of them are married now and they already have kids. So we really come together as a nation. But you know, at some stage, you know, that everybody, my brothers, all of them, they already have kids. My younger brother already, you know, had kids and we were resting and said, Lord, we battled to have children. And our first, I mean, battle was four years long. I remember we went to the doctor and the doctor spoke words over us, which professionals have to do. And the doctor said to us, you will never have children. Because, and the problem was not with my wife, it was with me. They said, the possibility that you will be able to provide children is basically zero. You walk out and you kind of ask yourself, what are you going to do with this moment, these words? Now, mine was in this context. What are the words that were spoken over you? What has this person said to you? What has that teacher said to you? What is the, you know, because words really defines us. Depends how we handle them, how we process them. You are not a product of what happened to you. You're a product how you process what happened to you. You process it wrong, you end up bitter. You process it right, you end up better. You need to know how you process things in life. Those words, I walked out not rejecting the words because he's speaking from medical terms. He's putting the facts on the table. You see, why would we have to have facts? Because the truth is not afraid of facts. Because facts can change, truth cannot. You see, the truth changes facts. But then I need to hear the truth. Who, is the who has the last voice in your mind that has the greatest authority over your life? What are the words you go to bed with? What are the things that define you? That moment, I said to my wife, we need to be very careful what we do with this word. Went before God and I said, God, this is what the doctor says in honor and respect him. But what are you saying? Because if you say that's final, that is serious. But what do you say? And clearly, crystal clear, God spoke to me. God says, you will have children. Your first child will be a boy. And God gave us his name way before he existed. He existed. And we started to pray on his according to his name. We don't name and claim it like many charismatics do. We heard God's voice. You see, sometimes we want to force things and, and manipulate things to happen. That is not prayer. I just wanted to know what God is saying to me. And God said, you will have a boy. I went back to the doctor. I don't know because of medical stuff. And, and I said, doctor, you know what? I respect what you said, but I follow my heart. I don't know what, if you believe it because he was not a agnostic. I said, I believe we are going to have children. You're going to catch the first boy. It's going to be a boy. Believe me, you're crazy. It's not right upstairs. Maybe. It's okay. I'm stepping out in faith here. Four years later, my wife fell pregnant without any medical help. My brother passed away in a car accident. Um, yeah, and uh, at that funeral, my parents came around us and said, listen, Lord, you've taken life from us. Would you give us life? And my wife supernaturally conceived right there. 
and Jesse Snellen Petorius was born. When the doctor caught the baby, I said, you remember me? She says, yeah, I've been doing all your stuff. And I said, not too much. You've been treating us for the last while. Do you remember me? I said, let me remind you, four years ago, you said we will never have children. It will be impossible. And you were right, because it was impossible. And it's not because you were wrong. You were right. But what I want to testify to you, to you today is even when you're right, there's somebody who's more right. There is a supernatural force in our lives that today you are a testify, you test, you sing with your own eyes, and you will never be able to stand before God one day and say, You did not know there's a God. Because you caught the baby. Out of your own words, it changed. Friends, there's something about the word of God, the life that comes into our soul. And if this testimony does not excite you, that you can start to trust God for the areas in your life where you feel it's dead. Things are not there. I want to encourage you, take this week, see God's face. And he might not answer everything this week because we don't tell him what to do. He does what he do, does. But you can at least step out in faith and say, God, let my heart align with yours. And you'll start to see things happen in your life. See, friends, God is the source, and we read from John 5, verse 90 to 21. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whoever, whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Himself all that He um, Himself is doing, and greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. I want to quickly bring you in a context here, historically what's happening here. John is talking about this, and he's talking about, and Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say, I say to you, the son can do nothing. Now, you need to understand the context here. Up to this chapter, you'll find Jesus the whole time in a dialogue with people. He speaks and they answer, he speaks and answer. And suddenly in this chapter, Jesus swings from a dialogue to a monologue. It's him speaking now. And he does two things. His monologue focuses on defense of his legitimacy as in a court, court, a courtroom. And the second thing he's doing is not just defense his legitimacy, he also starts to speak as a judge making decisions. A radical change of tone in John's, the whole book of John. And also you'll find truly, truly, now you'll find that does not happen many times. And the Bible is very, very interesting. When you start to see certain words used in a certain way, it meant something. It was not just somebody kind of repeated himself accidentally. When they say truly, truly, what they're saying, attention, attention, something very important is about to be announced. Truly, truly, the son can do nothing. Why would Jesus say that? Because there was a group of people busy accusing Jesus. Who do you say? He's Jesus Here is the carpenter. I mean, we don't, I mean, starting to take on, you, you want to claim something and you are busy deceiving people to follow you? Who are you? And Jesus could easily stand up and say, you know what? I am God. I'm almighty on this. And his first offense is, I'm nothing. Wow. So looking for arrogance and looking for pride is usually a confirmation that there's something hidden in this person. And the moment they want Jesus' response, he responded in total opposite. I'm not going to try to justify myself. I'm not going to try to convince you who I am. 
I'm simply just somebody totally dependent on my father. How many times do we try to justify ourselves and end up without life? We're trying to protect ourselves and, and many times that moment where, you know, God is only saying, just humble yourself, just come into my shadow. Jesus says, I can do, no, do nothing unless I, my, father see, my father doing it. Then he goes to the next step. He's taking his enemies from a total different angle and he says, first of all, I can do nothing without my father. You believe in my father. So if you believe in my father, then you will believe in me. And then he says, I'm loved by my father. Now, you must understand the Jews who are busy fighting Jesus here, they know the Father. They believe in God. And the moment he says, the Father, the God you believe in, He loves me. If you don't, then you maybe don't love Him. And he lays the foundation for the legitimacy of who God is. I'll tell you now why this is important. You see, because many times we can read the Bible and we take a verse just and we kind of claim a name and claim this verse, but we don't understand the depth of why Jesus is saying this. There's something about the authenticity of the truth that you and I need to believe first for it to have the effect in our lives. Knowing who Jesus is. It was not just another man who spoke here. It was not just good words. It's not just your neighbor who shouted something. It was the origin of life himself speaking. And he says, if you can hear my words, it will radically transform your life. See, this passage is so important because Jesus in his defense declared in total dependency on his father. He demonstrated a complete obedience towards his father. And not just a declaration of dependence, and not just this obedience that he lived, but he even went as far. He says, I can do nothing. That means in my obedience, I cannot do it without the father. He says, in my action, I cannot do this without the father. In my dependence, I cannot do this without the father. But he goes one step further. He says, even my very motive is to honor my father. See, friends, many things in our lives, we can take action, but our motive might not be there. Jesus says, in the core of who I am, I'm honoring the Father. I'm seeking the Father. He disarmed them totally because he brought the Father into the picture and he took himself out of the picture. Friends, when you and I center stage ourselves, you set yourself up for hurt. We want everything to turn around us, me, myself, and I. It's a very small package. You see, you see Jesus, legitimate God, creator of the universe. I mean, standing there and he says, oh, hang on, it's not just about me. Let me step aside. It's about my father. And then you find the father turn back and the father says, no, no, it's about my son. And you see, you find they start to defer to one another. Why? Because if somebody else tells the truth about you, maybe that's the truth. You don't have to brag about yourself. You don't have to stage yourself. You don't have to set up yourself. See, what happens in life, we find our insecurity because we find ourselves outside of the presence of God, outside of the way of God. Many times the pain and the things we face is because we've placed ourselves too central to life. God wants us to experience this new life. And John 5 verse 21, it goes on, it says, For as the Father raises the dead, and gives them life. 
so the Son gives life to whom He will. Friends, God has a desire to take the areas in our lives that is dead, and He breathes life into it. And things start to become just clear to you. Things start to make sense. You start to find the areas where there's death. God starts to bring a new life in your soul. And from that new life, you start to see, you know, life comes into everything that you do. John 1 verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Now, that's interesting. Among all the unique characteristics of God, this is maybe perhaps one of the most significant statements, is that God is not just the healer, it's not just this, but he's the one who gives life. In a context where you look at the world, where we're at today, how's this, thinking about this, there's a God in heaven, he looks at life, he looks at circumstances, he looks at relationships, he looks at everything around us, and he comes to you and says, I am the giver, I am the source for what you want. It's not just having a quiet time, it's not just pitching up for worship service, it's understanding that you are engaging the source of everything. I am the origin. I am the life. It says, in him was life. Why is he using past tense here? Because what he's saying is, I am the pre-existence of the very life you're looking for. I am first. In the beginning, there was life. Before you existed, life existed. Before you were promoted, life existed. Before you got married, life existed. Before you had troubles, life existed. Before everything, there was life. If you want life, get the first things first back in your life. Come back to the origin of life. Come back to the source. Come back to the reason why you have breath in your lungs. Why you are here. You're not just mommy and daddy's idea. You were God's idea. No matter what the world says to you. No matter the rejection you faced. You need to hear tonight. God intentionally planned your design. God intentionally planned your birth. God wanted you to be here, right here, right now on earth. There's a reason why you have breath in your lungs. Because of the one who was the life. He still is the life. And he will be the life forevermore. The Bible says Jesus gives life. And John 5 verse 24 to 26 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me, he has eternal life. You see, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, take attention. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. What is He saying here? You and I don't have life in ourselves. The moment you breathe out, and you never breathe in again, you are dead. There's not a one of us here that can say, I'm the source of life. I exist by myself. It's amazing how movies wants to bring it about. There's people who can just 
exist and exist and exist and never cease. The reality is all human beings cease. There's no human being that is the source of life and that has life in itself. God says, you need to understand, I have no beginning. Nobody switched me on and nobody switched me off. I am the life. I have no beginning. I have no end. He's creating the enormity, the absolute sovereignty of who God is. So that you and I, when we approach him, we know we're not just approaching another man that he would lie. We're not just singing songs about some spiritual concept out there. See, when people say all roads leads to God, it's a crystal clear idea. They don't have an idea the God they're speaking about. Because there is a God that is a source of life. He is the lot of man. He is the everything in it. And apart from him, there's nothing. There's not a religion. There's nothing on the face of the earth that can claim this and be true. When you go to the following places, what do you expect? You go to engine. What do you, what do you want to do at the engine? <laughs> you want to get <laughs> e-bucks. <laughs> Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Interesting. Krispy Kreme at engine. Okay. When you go to checkers, groceries, they go to spa, groceries. I mean, I could put up Burger King here. You know, when you want to get, go to McDonald's, you want to get what? Sick. I oh, know. Sorry. But I mean, you know, when you go to these places, you expect something. Look at the next picture. What do you expect when you go there? What do you expect now? If you expect religion, you're most probably going to get it. If you just want to ease your conscience, you're most probably just going to get that. Oh, you feel better because you quoted Psalm 117. So friends, if you're not going to start as Lord, my relationship with you is more serious than the person sitting next to me because you are the source of life. The reason why me many times get so angry and so disappointed in human beings is because we expect from them to fill the gap inside of us that only God can fill. The reason why we run into wrong relationships and get hurt is because we expect from that relationship to fill the gap on the inside of my soul that only my Creator can, create, can fill. The reason why we get disappointed and we start to look for fame and money and position and possessions and all kinds of things is because deep inside of our soul, there is a gap. And the only one who can fill this gap is the one who was and is and will ever be the life. Your life is not a choice if you want to be dependent on God. You are utterly dependent on God. The only question is, are you humble enough to realize that? If God had to withdraw from earth today, we all will be just turning back to dust in a split second. Nothing will be alive. Even the worst sinner that you could say fell on the list, he's the top of the list. No human being on the face of the earth have breath in their lungs, they can speak and they can smile and they can do things and they can talk apart from God. If God withdraws today, you will not just lose your ability to smile, you will lose your ability to exist. Dependency is not the question, humility is. You are dependent on God, if you believe it or not. You could be the most arrogant guy and think I'm a self-made man. Even in your arrogance, there's a gracious God that keeps you alive. 
Even your greatest arrogance, there's a gracious God there that protects you still, even if you don't ask Him. Because He seeks to save and seek to save people. The Bible says God is patient. He's waiting. He's asking, would you humble yourself? Where's the example? Jesus says, I can do nothing. I have an utter dependence on my Father, and He is God. How much more you and I? Friends, a lot of our mistakes, a lot of our pain, a lot of our wrong decisions comes from the arrogance in our soul that we think we don't need Jesus. Prayerlessness is not a discipline. It's a dependency. It's a humility. When we start to say, Lord, I need you. Prayer is not that quick religious thing that you have to do in the morning. Prayer is actually a lifestyle of, Lord, if I get in my car, let me just speak to you. I just need you. I want to be close to you. If you find God and you find the essence of who God really is, friends, it's no longer a must. There's something in your soul that becomes alive. You say, Lord, I cannot live and dwell without you. And when I mess up, I miss you. When I make mistakes, I realize I've hurt the one I love. When I feel alone in my soul, I can try to get it from my wife. I can try to fill it with other stuff and things. But I know I'm going to end up disappointed. Ultimately, the first place we go to is in the beginning. First things first. Bow before your maker. Go into your inner room, close your door and seek his face. It's not just a week of abiding. May this week turn something in your soul that you start to cultivate a lifestyle of abiding where you love yourself, you wait patiently on God every day. When you wake up in the morning, sometimes you want to push something to happen. Why not just wait, abide in God and let Him open up the doors? You don't have to force it. Why not just wait upon God for the things you need and put your faith in God and say, Lord, even if it doesn't work out the way I expect it, let your will be done because you're God and I'm okay with that. See, abiding changes our absolute the DNA of how we relate with God. He is the giver of life. Which areas of your life do you need Him tonight? He's a giver. He wants to do it. He's serious about giving. So serious he let his son die so that he can show you he wants to give to you. Whoever hears my word and believes Him. Interesting statement. Whoever hears my word and believe Him. It's a person. You're not rejecting, when you reject truth, you're not rejecting a person, a, a human being. You're not rejecting a concept. You're resisting the person of Jesus Christ. When you want Jesus close, embrace truth. Lord, what are you words saying? People say, why must we be baptized, for example? Well, my answer is simple always, because Jesus says so. <laughs> I can tell you what baptism means, but the very first answer is Jesus said so. Why must I forgive? Because Jesus is so. Why must I make right? Because Jesus is so. Why must I be faithful and generous when the tithes are offering? Because Jesus is so. It's simple. The Word says so. The rest I can explain what the Word explains and how and so on. But if your motive is not Jesus, then what is the motive? Why do you serve? Because Jesus wants me to serve. I serve Jesus. That's how I serve Jesus. See, friends, the moment we start to put Jesus central to our lives, there's no space for two then I become on the side. I step aside and say, Lord, let you rule in my life. You make the decisions. You're in charge. You're the Lord. That will be the best decision of our life. It's not just if you got saved, but if you made them the Lord. 
the life, this life, He will give us. This life has, I'm going to put it in simplistic terms, it means a life that saves us, means when you're a sinner, you're uncertain about your future, you don't know if you die today, where will you end up? And there is life after death. Don't wait till you're dead to discover that because that would be too late. There is life after death. That's why it says the dead will rise again. Why would the dead rise again? Because they did. It's because those who believed the truth before they died, they will be raised again because they will live with Christ forever. You cannot die. There's two ways people die. You die physically in your body, which means it's temporary death. It's not permanent death. And then everybody who's died will be raised from the dead, means that's temporary. They will stand before the judgment seat before God one day, and those who put their faith in God will enter into eternal relationship with God, and those who did not will go into eternal damnation. And forever, that's the state. The eternal death is not physical death. It's eternal separation from God with never, no chance ever to be restored to Him ever again. That's eternal death. And there's a God says, I don't want you to have that. I want you to have life. Come to me. Friends, if there's ever a time in humanity to humble themselves before the creator of the universe, then it's now. We say, Lord, take control. I want to encourage you tonight. Why don't you make your aim this year, not what you can achieve in business, whatever. Why don't you make your aim say, Lord, I want to find myself in you. And help me to make the right decisions. And you're going to look back six months, a year later, and say, wow, look what happened this year. Wow, look at this, look at this. Why? Because as we abide in God, the worst decisions Philip has made in my life is those I made apart from God. I cannot blame God. I made them. The best decisions I've made in my life are those I've not made. I listened to the one who said, do that. He made them. I tell you, you let God speak to you. And you let God make your answers. And you just say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. I tell you, you will see a turnaround in your life like never before. Because God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. Let me end with this. When we abide in Christ, it means, yes, spending time with Him. It means spending time in His Word. It means spending time in His presence. It means spending time in your mind space. When your car... You say, Lord, come drive with me. Speak to me. Tell me. Teach me who you are. Having a relationship with God. If you fall in love with this guy, I mean, you spend time with him, you get to know them, you ask questions. It's the same with God. Get to know him. So, Lord, I just want to know you. Part of that is also, Lord, show me your ways and show me your will. Where do I find that? In your word. When you start to read the word of God, how shall a young man keep his way pure? Read the Bible. An amazing thing when you want the Bible to change you, to help you, is don't just read your Bible. Let your Bible read you. Open up your heart. Say, Lord, how is this applicable to my life? How does this reflect on my life? And if you allow the Word of God to keep on changing you, keep on transforming you, keep on you know, changing things in your life, revealing things to you, and you become more, it's not just getting saved, but it's keep on being saved. The Word of God changes you. There's no way you cannot have a life and a future. The government cannot promise you that. The Word can. Your family cannot. Your boss cannot. The Bible promises you a future.
There's no way you cannot, not just earthly, ever eternal future. On earth, you and I have a plan. God has a plan for our lives. But it finds ourselves in God. Now many of you say, Phil, you don't know my background. You don't know what it's gone through. You don't know my family. I don't. But here's what I do know. I've seen many people like you, thinking like you, that's radically impacted by the word of God. And they became the testimony that this word is true. It all comes back to you, Lord, I want you. All I wanted to do tonight, I want you to desperately start to see God. I want in your soul to say, I'm hungry. See, we come to church to be fed so that we can be like a fresh as the eight stop. We're full. You see, really the moment for this moment is actually to make you empty. So that you can get out of this moment and this week and you start to see God because you're hungry. This moment should make you hungry. I want to read my Bible. I want to know Jesus. I want to see Jesus. He has an incredible week for you. Don't miss it. You don't have to perform. Just be sincere. Lord, help me. I want to know you. I want to charge all of you men. We need men like you to step up and seek Jesus. Real men serve Jesus. Cowards don't. Real men seek Jesus. Real men, they're not afraid of serving Jesus and stand up for what Jesus is. If you really want to know what a man is, follow Jesus' life. Women, God is calling you to seek Jesus. And if we together seek Jesus, we will see things God do in our lives that you and I have not even asked. Father, I pray tonight. You know every single person here. You know their past, you know their future. If you're sitting here tonight and you're not sure that you are born again, you're not sure that if you die tonight, God forbid that, but if you had to die tonight, that you, God would allow you into heaven. You're not sure that you're in right standing with God. You don't have to walk out with that uncertainty because the word brings life, it brings clarity, it brings light. If you want to make right with God tonight, I want you just to do one thing, humble yourself and by just raising your hand, so I need Jesus. I'm not sure my life's right to God. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? See that hand. Anybody else? I know it takes something to say, Lord, it's me. That's okay. We all were there. Nobody saves themselves. It's only in humility we say, Lord, help me. And you know that God's been speaking to you. Before I delay this too long, anybody else that I need to pray with, you sh you're not sure that you are saved, that you are born again. Anybody else? In right standing with God. I'm going to ask those who raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, come to you tonight. I give you my life. I desperately need you. Would you forgive me my sins? Would you embrace me as your own child? Tonight I embrace you as my God. Accept you as my God. And I want to serve you from tonight on forever. Help me. Lord, I pray for these people who've raised their hand. I pray for a supernatural transformation from death to life happening in their souls tonight as they surrender their lives to you tonight. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. I want to do a second prayer. You're sitting here tonight. You say, Phil, I'm born again. But there's different areas of my life that I know that I need Jesus. 
And there's specific things. It's not just random. But there's specific areas and those areas may differ from every person that respond. For the one, it may be a relationship. For the other one, maybe, Lord, I need to break free from certain sinful habits. The next person might be financially. It doesn't matter what it is. All I want you to do tonight is acknowledge that you need Jesus. And without Jesus, you can do nothing. Lord, I need you. That is you. Would you just stand where you are? Stand up and say, Lord. And you know, it's a very specific area. I want you just to stand. The reason I want you to stand is to acknowledge the Lord, I need you. And as you stand, I want you to mention that specific area. Just between Jesus. He's a God that hears us. Just tell him what it is. I want you to dare tonight to say, Jesus, I trust you with my secrets. Trust you with my desires. I trust you with the deep challenges I face. There's nobody else I can run to. It's you. Lord, I thank you that you are here. Your presence is here. And that you are the Lord of life and you're a giver of life. Would you bring life into every person's life as they're standing here tonight? I pray right now, Lord God, for the light of man, Father, to shine to us, that you as the light shine into these areas of darkness. Bring deliverance, bring healing, bring forgiveness, Lord, if forgiveness needed. Bring restoration, Lord God. Provide, Father, where there's need for provision, God. Come, Holy Spirit. feel some of you standing and there's maybe a need to say Lord sorry why don't you just for- ask God's forgiveness why don't you repent if it's an area of repentance say Lord forgive me Lord thank you that you forgive pray also for strong accountable friends coming alongside them to help them through this in Jesus name Lord I pray your blessing over these people May you, Lord, giver of life, fill our hearts with life. May we be shining light for your glory on earth, testifying of your goodness so many more can come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen, amen. Thank you.